Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. It is Tuesday, May 5th, 2020. I am Andrew Hansen, and I'm very happy to be joined by the star of all things fantasy for DFS Coach Talk, Santino Cocon. Santino, happy Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo to you as well, Andrew. Uh, thank you for that great introduction. Uh, very, very humble of you to pass your starship to someone else, but sure. I appreciate share. it. I'm happy to share it with you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, you're a man of many talents. Uh, Going to crush the MLB season for us, leading up some baseball lineups if we ever get that going. And in, in the meantime, exciting day here early this morning on May 5th, 2020. It was opening day over in Korea uh, in the KBO. And it was a good day for DFS Coach Talk. We provided lineups to our members and the one lineup that we provided on both DraftKings and FanDuel cashed. So how about that for an opening day uh, baseball uh, success rate? Yeah, and it cashed pretty high, too, in, in the top 50, I believe. Uh, can't ask for much better than that on a sport that no one really knows. Well, we know the sport, but a league that no one really knows. Yeah, you know, I've got to tell you, it was fun to dive in and, and break down the, the pitchers. Um, we actually, I, I think the thing that set us apart was we – we selected a value pitcher who was in the 6K range, and he took a perfect game into the seventh inning wow. uh, for a team that was an underdog. And the reason we selected him was because he was he's a veteran in Korea. He had a solid year last year, and the, uh, the favorite had a pitcher who got banged up in the States last year and was making his first start in Korea. So... We went with a veteran, uh, you know, at a lower price, and that really paid off. So, uh, for those of you who are new to the program, the three sports that we cover are the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball. And when we launched in early 2020, we weren't planning on covering the KBO, but <laughs> that's what we're going to do until we get some MLB back in the states. So, go check out our website at dfscoachtalk.com if you haven't. You can pick up a membership a weekly, monthly, or yearly, and we're not going to charge for the KBO coverage. The memberships are frozen until we get a American sport back up and running, baseball or basketball. Uh, so we invite you all to to do that. Um, so that that's baseball, Santino. But of course, we are we are talking football here today. Mm-hmm. Um, we are continuing our. 32-day virtual virtual tour of the NFL. We're covering <laughs> one NFL team per day uh, from a DFS per- perspective. And today we get to cover the formerly known as Tampa Bay Buccaneers, now known as the Tampa Bay Gronkineers, <laughs> a team that went 7-9 last year. Um, and so as we continue through the NFC South, I'm glad to see you've got your, your Buccaneers colors on today. Yeah, I, we didn't even coordinate this. We both came in on red, and well, first thing I noticed, that, oh, you got red on, and then I remembered I have red on too. I didn't play it. I put this on not realizing that the Bucks were red when I was doing it, and then when I saw you have red, I said, oh, I did it unknowingly. I knew I was doing something. <laughs> Subconsciously. <laughs> yeah, and for me, I, I thought this was the closest thing I had to Buccaneers colors. I am red-green colorblind, so I wasn't sure. I mean, I, I probably would have said that they were more orange than red, but... I'm going to defer to you on that. Uh, yeah, a little, little red and more brown than black. I mean, a mix of all of that. But uh, funny, I was just a little cold because I was used to the we're used to the 70 degree weather the last couple of days. Now it's in yes, the, the mid 50s, so I just put a sweatshirt on and it happened to be red. And um, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, uh, all right, well let's let's jump in here to the Buccaneers. Um, yeah. No, nope, pretty uneventful offseason. Yeah. Not much to not much to talk about here. Uh, just you know, just another season, same crew, seven and nine, back again. Yeah. Same coaching staff, Bruce, Bruce Arians, who, you know, has a really strong winning percentage, 56, 39 and one. Uh, he's won 59 percent of his games, so he's coming back for a second year with Tampa Bay. Same coordinators, Byron Leftwich on offense, Todd Bowles on defense. And I want to start with the defense uh, because, like Carolina who we covered yesterday, this was an important defense for fantasy because you could really attack them through the air. They were 30th in passing yards allowed 
at over 4,300 yards. They gave, they were 25th in passing touchdowns allowed. They were 29th in points allowed. They gave up 28.1 points per game. And then surprisingly, they were decent. Well, better than decent. They were excellent against the run. Yeah, they were they were number one in the NFL. They only gave up 1,181 yards rushing, only 3.3 yards an attempt. And they actually stonewalled Christian McCaffrey in primetime week two, which um, was pretty significant. So, How many uh, teams could say that? <laughs> yeah, seriously. That, that was a, a major accomplishment. Um, we just talked about how he was an absolute stud with – one of the best floors in fantasy. So uh, sort of a, a tale of, of, of two halves, if you will, with their, with their defense last year, really poor against the pass, but strong against the run. Yeah. Um, they were in a lot of shootouts. Uh, a lot had to do with uh, Winston's turnover ratio, which was, uh, we won't even get into that, but it was, it was bad, but they were, they, they gave up the most pass attempts per game at 41 and a half. So teams wanted to target them. Um, if you look at 20 plus yard plays, they were ninth in the league. At, they gave up 57 yards over or 57 plays over 20 yards and 40 plus yards, which is huge. They gave up um, 14, which was fifth, tied for fifth most. The most in the league was 16. So they were they were giving up a lot of plays. But one thing that stuck out to me when I was looking at this is they didn't get to the quarterback. Uh, they were seventh in the league in sacks. So that helps the pass defense. And they were eighth in the league in completion percentage against. So they were getting torched with big plays, big plays, big plays. But um, would take out those big plays if they can curb that because they did have a young, very young and inexperienced secondary. Um, they were really good uh, defending the pass without those big plays. I know one guy uh, we'll probably get to later. Um, <clears throat> he had a, had a pretty good year at when he started taking it over. It was Carlton Davis. After they got rid of Hargreaves, Hargreaves, I say his name wrong, Hargreaves, uh, the veteran corner, they put him in there, and he actually had um, 22 forced incompletions on his own, at a, and he graded at 72.1 against the pass. So he was pretty good. If everybody else can step up their game a little bit with another year of experience, hopefully it curbs. But, yeah, if a team's given up shootout like that and big play after big play, it's, it's something you're going to want to target. Yeah, you mentioned those 40-yard plays, 14 of them. So that's almost one per game. Yeah. Uh, that's that's not a good ratio. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned the turnovers from Winston. I, I do want to get into those, as depressing as it is. <laughs> uh, so let, let's let's talk about the offense a little bit. Um, they were last in the league in turnovers. They had 41 turnovers. Winston had 30 interceptions and nine fumbles. Absolutely pathetic. Um, he did have success through the air. You know, he, he led the league in uh, passing yards, yeah. <laughs> which shouldn't shock anyone. Yeah, so over 5,000 passing yards. Their net, even with 47 sacks that he took, they, their net passing yardage was number one in the league. They were third in passing touchdowns with 33. On the ground, uh, pretty poor, though. They were 28th in the league at 3.7 yards per carry. Um, and I guess we might as well get to the elephant in the room. Jameis <laughs> Winston is no longer the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that has to be very exciting for everybody in Florida, everybody in the Southeast, really. Yep. Uh, I think they, they brought in some guy named um, Tom, Tom, I believe. Tom. Thomas. Thomas, I forgot his last name, but um, he's a vet, he's a veteran journeyman. He's played all over the <laughs> league for a while. Not that I think he's better, a little above average, but his name's Tom something. Um, Is he, hopefully, I think hopefully he's related he's to the. Yeah, I think he's related to the new coordinator with the Panthers, right? He comes from that. Is it the Brady family? Oh, the Brady bunch. Yeah, the, <laughs> he, his family started in a show uh, back in the day. It was a very successful show. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, uh, this is just a huge upgrade for them for a team that was, uh, top five in every category, pretty much in passing attempts, passing yards, passing touchdowns, total yards, points scored. Uh, now you get rid of a guy who turned the ball over just as much as he was successful with it. And you bring in the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, even at his age, he's going to be 43. Uh, and he had his pretty much his worst year last year, but he didn't have any weapons let's be honest and now this year he's going into a team that is full of weapons and 
I expect him to be what we're used to. Yeah, this is uh, this is a game changer for Arians. He's just got to be so excited to just have a complete reversal of a guy who <laughs> it's like Winston. He didn't care about ball control. He didn't care about getting sacked. I mean, 39 turnovers and 47 sacks. That's 86 plays that are just killers. That's five. Again, it's more than five a game where you either turn it over yeah. or get sacked. And then you look at Brady last year. You know, everybody's going to talk about, yes, his yards per attempt were down, but he only had eight interceptions and he only took 27 sacks. So that's, you know, 35-ish, you know, terrible plays. But it's 50 less than Winston. That's three per game. So it's almost one once a quarter. Instead of turning it over or get getting sacked, yeah. you know, Brady's going to – he's not going to turn it over or he's going to throw the ball away. That That's the problem. Um, you know, Winston will take all these sacks. Brady will throw it away, if, you know, especially as he tries to, you know, maintain his health here at 42 years old. Any sense of trouble, he would just ditch it out of bounds, avoid the sack, and keep the possession rolling. Yeah, there, there's some throws that Winston, you just scratch your head on. Uh, unless he's on your fantasy team, then you'll take all these terrible numbers and you played him that week. Who cares if he throws three interceptions? That's fine because he's throwing for 300 yards and two touchdowns. Um, but if you want, if you're on, if he's on your team as a real quarterback, some of his throws you just scratch your head. Some of the times he holds the ball way too long, uh, and he, he sometimes he throws the ball like he is Patrick Mahomes. He has his arm, and you see when you're not the elite of an elite in an arm talent that these just th- go into the other team. But one thing that uh, was pretty interesting is Winston attempted 630 pass plays last year. Brady wasn't too far behind, so he was only he was at 620. So if you keep even somewhat of that range, you expect them to be a lot more competitive, though, with an actual quarterback. Um, but if if they're somewhat similar in in pass attempts, uh, I I expect his numbers to jump. And then one thing that I was looking at at Bruce Arians. Uh, two-time coach of the year, by the way. Congratulations. Uh, the last four years he's coached, well, because he missed 2018 because he retired again, but three of the past four seasons he was a head coach, he had a top six overall pass offense. Uh, the only year that he didn't was Carson Palmer's last year where he started nine games and he retired after the season, but or started seven games. The other nine games were started by Drew Stanton and Blaine Gabbert. So I, can blame, I can't blame him for not having a top six offense, but... Uh, pass offense, he's always pretty much always in the top tier echelon. Rushing offense, never really there. So if you put those two together, um, Brady's looking at a very good season ahead of him with two superstar wide receivers, a uh, pretty good offensive line. The the weakness on on the offensive line, where's the tackles? But they addressed that in the draft with their first round pick, um, Tristan Wilfs, and then they signed one of their only free agent that they signed besides Brady and. Uh, was a tackle, uh, Joe Haig. And then they got Gronk, who's been historically one of the top blocking tight ends in the league, so that will help him out. But their guard and center uh, combinations, the interior line, they combined for an 80.4 pass blocking grade in 2019, which was the second highest among all interior line lines in the NFL. Um, and the guy, Ali Marpet, he's probably their best lineman overall. He's ranked as a uh, top 12 overall guard in the last um, – six six years with at least 2,500 snaps. So uh, they have a pretty good line and they addressed some of their weaknesses. And as long as Brady has some weapons, which he didn't have last year, uh, that, that 4,000 yards is going to be a distant memory, I think. Yeah, we, we talk about the excitement for Arians uh, with with Brady making the decision to uh, to move to Florida and take up residence at the, uh, the old palace <laughs> of, of Derek Jeter. Um, but then, you know, they made that great move to 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 go up and get Tristan Wirfs in the first round, a big tackle from Iowa. Uh, so they are really, you know, trying to welcome Brady with yeah. uh, with some support. So he has to be encouraged by that. But but yeah, the the weapons uh, that's going to be a game changer for Brady. Um, and it's funny how you mentioned the similar pass attempts that the numbers between Winston and Brady last year. They actually were only separated by seven completions as well, 380 to 373. <laughs> so they actually had almost the exact same completion percentage. But if you add on, uh, if you take uh, the difference of um, basically the, the 20 plays 
where Brady would have just thrown it out of bounds to avoid the sack. If he had taken a sack like Winston and not just thrown it away, then he would have been up around 63% completion rate. And that's with a group of weapons, as you as you referenced, that is is inferior, I'd say, yeah. to say the least, compared to this crew with, with Tampa. So, um, again, I think the numbers in, in New England are a little bit misleading. Um, Belichick is certainly notorious for game planning. Uh, he'll run up the score, but he's not – He's not going to just, you know, try to inflate numbers if he if he doesn't have to. He's just going to he's going to go with what works. So lots of times that's the running game. And if they have a lead, um, you know, Brady and Belichick together aren't going to make mistakes. So he Mm -hmm. didn't have, you know, a monster year in terms of yardage or touchdowns. But again, his touchdown to interception ratio was three to one. And that's what it's been throughout his career, whereas Winston is like one and a half to one. So. Uh, yeah. Just completely different. And, you know, Brady still he still had eight of his 16 games with at least two touchdown passes. So even last year, he wasn't uh, a GPP monster, but he was pretty solid as a cash game option in in those matchups that sort of made sense where they were going to attack more through the air than on the ground. Yeah. And I mean, for, it's funny how. Less than a decade later, 4,000 yards is, oh, it's just 4,000 yards. But in 2010, 4,000 yards is, wow, they hit 4,000. He didn't really do that. Um, But, yeah, he was still eighth in the league in yards per game last year in a really down year. If you look at his career, this it was his worst year since um, 2000, I think his second year in the league. It was his worst, lowest um, touchdown since his second year in the league. Um, But, yeah, he was fifth in attempts. You put these better weapons on him. These are probably the best weapons he's had since Wes Welker, Randy Moss, since those ages. Uh, with When Aaron Hernandez was before all that stuff went down and Gronk was up in there. But this is probably his best weapon since then because these two – he has two wide, all-star wide receivers, and we'll get to them in a little bit. But you have a coach who knows how to pass, who has who built great passing games with less to work with. Um, and I, I expect – his numbers to stay in the top. I, I can't see him dropping out of the top 10 in yards per game uh, average. If he, if he did it last year with what he had this year is going to look like a cakewalk for him. 24 touchdowns. It's going to be hard to have those two caliber wide receivers, plus a Gronk, OJ Howard, et cetera, Cameron Bray, um, and not have 30 touchdowns. It's just going to be very hard. I, there's going to be a lot of times that he's going to have multiple touchdowns. I know you said last year, eight games with multiple multi touchdowns. I can that should be in the double digits this year. So he's going to make for a, a safer play. The only thing that would scare me off on him a little bit is the name value. And now that he's on a new team with these weapons, his price tag's going to jump up. So I, I assume that you're not going to get the Brady discount that you got last year. You're going to get uh, you're going to pay for a top five guy, and you're going to expect that if you pay for him. Yeah, that'll be fun to watch uh, the price tag early on. Last year, he never even got to 7K on DraftKings, um, but that should change with the weapons that he has in some of these matchups and the high-scoring games in the NFC South. And uh, Santino, what we've been doing recently is, is going to the backfield, but let's just transition into these pass catchers because we've been referencing <laughs> them. And it was kind of funny how you talked about that 50-touchdown season that he had with the Patriots where he had Welker and Moss and, and Gronk, uh, among others. And it's sort of similar with this group. We've got Evans, the deep threat. We've got Godwin. Uh, you know. The funny thing about Evans is he is one of the fastest players in the league. But you say deep threat, you think of a smaller guy. This guy's 6'5", 230-plus pounds. Like, how, I don't know how he's so fast and how he beats people like he does, but he's a monster. You'd expect more of a, a possession-type jump ball receiver. This guy just burns people down the field at his immense size. Yeah, he really does. Uh, and really a strong one-two combo, as you mentioned, all-pro type uh, production with with he and Godwin. Um, and then the, the tight end group will we'll get to three of the best tight ends in the NFL. Uh, but, le- but let's start with Mike Evans. This is a guy who uh, six straight years to start his career with over 1,000 yards. He, he averages about 1,200 yards a season and eight touchdowns. 
He was a little bit down in catches last year, but he he missed a few games. Um, what are you expecting from Mike Evans this year? Uh, pretty much par of the course for this guy. He's he, if he's had a thousand years every year of his career, I expect that again. Uh, he, like you said, he averages eight touchdowns. Uh, I expect at least eight. He's he missed the last three games last year. I remember uh, watching the play that he got hurt on. He scored a 70-yard touchdown and. Right at the end of it, he came up limping in his hamstring. He pulled and then missed the rest of the year. That's just unfortunate, un- bad luck. But, um, yeah, this guy averages 17-plus yards per catch um, over the last two years. That's fantastic. Uh, he's top four in yards per game over the past two years. Both years, he's top four. Uh, he was on pace for 145 targets last year before he missed those last three games. I'm, he's he's a, an elite wide receiver who doesn't get talked about among the groups of elite wide receivers. We put him in usually the tier two, um, the the tier two of wide receivers, but this guy's a top 10 guy, hands down with what he's done throughout his career. Um, and, and what he's going to continue to do with O'Brady throwing to him. And again, he's, he's a red zone option too. He's six, five two thirty, So he can get over people if he needs to, but yeah, he's, he's really good. And when you have a guy on the other side of the field that is extremely talented as well, it's going to be hard to double team any of those two guys because Brady will pick you apart if you if you double team one and leave the other one on one on one coverage. That's right. Uh, Brady does not discriminate. He just finds the open man. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, Evans, yeah, you mentioned the you being out at the end with injury, but he's been a pretty reliable guy. Uh, his first five seasons, he played either 15 or 16 games every year. So uh, certainly he'll be healthy and ready to go. Catch rate, uh, not as good as Godwin, only 57%. uh, But he he managed to get those eight touchdowns. He had three games of at least 39 fantasy points. So he had three ceiling games. He had four games under 10. uh, So he had, he had a bit of a lower floor than Godwin, but, uh, you know, he's the first of this entire crew that's just going to be so thrilled to have uh, Brady. I guess the one question here with Evans is, will Brady be able to deliver the deep ball with as much success as Winston? Uh, you know, although Brady is in this battle with Father Time and he's basically winning it, uh, <laughs> I'd say, at 42, um, we can't expect his arm strength to to probably be the same that it was that year with Randy Moss when he threw for 50 touchdowns. Yeah, it won't be the same Brady as then, but um, as a Dolphin fan and as a, a football fan and a fan of elite players and of the GOATs, this guy is the greatest I've ever seen. When he wants to say he's done, he's done. Until then, I'm not going to doubt him. Uh, it, it, sometimes it comes up, a lot of people say, oh, he's done. They want to be the first one to say Brady's done, kind of like LeBron James. They want to be the first one to say he's done. But until he tells me himself he's done, or tell, tells the world that he's done with football, I'm going to assume that he's going to be Brady and be one of the best out there. Um, as far as the uh, Evans, I, I like how you mentioned that he does have that huge ceiling, um, and that's one thing with him. He he has a lot of games where he doesn't he uh, doesn't produce as a top tier wide receiver would on a consistent basis, but then he has those games where he just blows up. He had a couple games over 200 yards last year. Um, and, and those are the games where y- you want him. Sometimes you'll see like dud, dud, dud. And then you got to get all over him, especially in a GPP, because he's the guy with a low floor, but a huge ceiling. And he get, he tends to get a lot of his production in a handful of games. Absolutely. So let's look at his partner, uh, Chris Godwin, who's coming off his best year in the NFL, his third year when he got 86 catches and nine touchdowns. Uh, tell me tell me your thoughts on Chris Godwin as we get ready for the 2020 season. I think he's going to be Brady's favorite target. He's uh, he's pretty much been a stud when he's gotten the time in the league. Uh, if you look back at his, his, his throughout his career, rookie his rookie year, he only had three games over 70% of the snaps. Uh, so he wasn't really playing in the year. They had Deshaun Jackson pretty much in his role. Even even not this past year, but 2018, he started to get more and more time. He put up over 800 yards. Um, second in the or he had 14.44 yards per catch in all of his games. Um, but he started to get more of the playing time, and you could see the talent that he had. He's a crisp 
route runner. He's explosive with the ball in his hands and in space. Um, and I think Brady's going to love him. But then last year, you mentioned it, he finally got a coach who wanted to play him and a starting spot where he didn't have to be behind a Deshaun Jackson or someone. And he blew up. He was second in the league in yards per game. He also missed two games at the end of the year. He had 1,333 yards, 86 catches, uh, pretty much on line with his career yards per catch average at uh, 15.5. His career is 15.44, so not too much. Nine touchdowns. Even in 2018, he had eight, so he's an explosive guy when, when, when he has open field. He was first in the league with plays over 20 yards, um, and he had zero fumbles. And the biggest thing I would say about – or two things. He was sixth in, in yards after the catch, so again, explosive. And he only had one drop, one drop all year. Uh, there's nothing really bad to say about this guy. That's like Michael Thomas numbers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, with the the only person who had more yards per game than him was Michael Thomas. There you go. I mean, <laughs> you know, 71% catch rate. Uh, Thomas, I believe, was was even higher. But if you catch everything they throw at you, uh, that's somewhat helpful. The, the catch rate's a little screwed when you have uh, James Winston just Throwing things exactly. near you, but not to, to you. Right, exactly. Closest receiver. We're going to pin this on Godwin. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's terrific. Only one drop, no fumbles. And he, he had a similar ceiling with Evans, where he had one game over 30 and then two more over 40. But as I referenced earlier, he had a better floor. He only had two yeah. games under 10. Um, so he gave you three more games over 20 on DraftKings. So just uh, you know, more consistent, a, a better floor. Uh, that's, you know, that comes from being that possession receiver, getting 86 catches in 14 games. So he, he, he had a real, he had a real shot at hundred catches if he played 16 games and he averaged 19.94 points per game on DraftKings. Uh, so just an excellent return on value. And yeah. I, I agree. I think he's going to absolutely thrive with Brady. Now, as for the third receiver, I'm going to let you uh, I'm going to let you talk about whoever you think is going to be the third most important wide receiver. The the, the other news we have here is that Brashad Perriman is gone and yep. he was in that role last year. He caught 36 passes over 600 yards and six touchdowns, almost 18 yards a catch. Uh, so that is a significant hole and a real opportunity that someone's going to take advantage of. Yeah, Perriman was pretty much an afterthought until those two guys went down. And then he was just on fire the last couple of weeks. Uh, that's what you get in an offense built with Bruce Arians. Uh, but for me, there's probably three receivers that will might interchange for this role, depending on if it's a three wide receiver set, four wide receiver set, five wide receiver set. Um, but I see Scotty Miller had a little, a little um, role last year. I don't know if he's going to take this lead, but uh, him, Justin Watson, or two guys returning who could compete for this league, um, this spot. But I, I like their their fifth-round draft pick out of Minnesota, Tyler Johnson. Uh, I think he might win this in camp. We'll see. But he was productive in college. He's uh, he's he's another guy, tall guy, 6'1", 206 pounds. But in, in college, he had 164 catches, 200, almost 2,500 yards, and 25 touchdowns his last two years as a junior and senior. Um, he's a big, he's, he wins jump ball battles. So something that this team struggles with, I know Mike Evans is six, five, um, and he, he has that, but Chris Godwin's not a jump ball guy in a, in a red zone situation. This guy could win jump ball, um, a jump ball. He's not explosive, but, uh, he's a really good red zone option. And if he wins this third receiver role, uh, you have two guys who need to be looked at and then a, a Gronk. We'll just call him a Gronk, uh, who also needs to be looked at. So he's going to be able to work his way around the middle of the field, which I think will be pretty good at. But um, I think those are the three guys who are going to be competing in this spot. And we also might see – I know Bruce Arians doesn't do this a lot, but Brady is used to this uh, – a lot of two tight end sets. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also think that Tyler Johnson is likely to – emerge here as the guy that gets that uh, that opportunity as the third wide receiver. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about it throughout this virtual tour of the NFL repeatedly, but it's going to be tougher. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be tougher for these rookies to get um, entrenched early uh, 
uh, with this unique offseason. Um, and, and it's certainly, uh, in general, harder for wide receivers. They, they usually do much better in their second year in the NFL. Um, so that'll be a challenge for Tyler Johnson. But I agree, just a, a really solid skill, skill set. You know, he doesn't wow you with the speed, but uh, very productive at Minnesota. And last two years, he's run about 80% of his uh, snaps, his roots out of the slot. Um, so I, I, I like that pick in the fifth round. I think he's more likely to do damage long term than uh, the other guys. You know, Scotty Miller, thir- only 13 catches last year and one touchdown. And Watson, 16 catches in two years. You know, he he got in the end zone twice last year, but uh, nothing to to really jump off the page. So I like I like Tyler Johnson. And then um, in terms of the tight ends, you mentioned you know having a Gronk. Isn't it <laughs> nice to actually have the Gronk? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anytime you can put that guy in the lineup and he's healthy. You know what you're getting. One one of, if not the best tight end out there. Um, fantastic blocker all throughout his career. And obvious, it seems obvious because he's just a massive specimen that he could block people. Uh, it's something that they needed. They struggled. Their their biggest struggles on the offensive line were at the tackle positions. We mentioned that they went out and, and drafted one, signed one. And then they signed this big, massive guy at tight end who can help them out and chip block. But you have a Gronk. He's a... Even if you get a 70% Gronk that you are accustomed to, that's uh, that's still 70% of the best tight end that was playing when he was healthy. Um, but another a familiar face of Brady. The one thing you mentioned it, people aren't getting the offseason work in that we're accustomed to. So at least for Brady, he's familiar with the Gronk. Um, they've won they the last three times that they played together. They were in the Super Bowl, won two of them. Um, he's just a safety valve option and We'll see if he gets that weight back up because he's looking a lot more lean and thin than the the 260 that he was when he was playing. But maybe that's good for him because he has had back problems. He had had wrist problems. He's had all types of problems. But um, Gronk is – well, I, I can't imagine him not being a top five tight end, especially in today's landscape of tight end. It's kind of like the catcher position in, in baseball. There's a few of them, and then the rest are uh, – you throw a dart and hope they land for that day. Yeah, that that tight end room is just going to be incredible with with Gronk at the helm. Uh, what a career! Almost 8,000 yards, over 500 catches, 79 touchdowns, and you know that'll be the real X factor this year off. Uh, he's been doing different stuff instead of you know pounding the weights and and the calories. He's been out having fun, uh, but maybe he'll come back fresh and and like you said, take advantage of a little less weight on the frame. And he, with with the other two tight ends that we're going to talk about, it's not like he's going to have to play every snap and yeah. you know be in there for every blocking down. Uh, I think they're going to keep him fresh and, and take advantage of the of the depth. And certainly that's going to go a long way with the just the the lifetime of trust in NFL terms that Brady and Gronk have. So uh, then, that'll be a huge edge. And then when you think about it, when was the last time that a team went up against Gronk and he wasn't the focus of the defensive attention. Now you have an Evans and a and um, a Godwin on the sides. Gronk's not your main guy anymore, and he could just do what he's always done, throw, go up the seams, get open. Um, it's going to be different for him especially, and I think he's going to love it. Oh, it's scary to think <laughs> about it. I mean, the guy, it's like Gronk is going to go overlooked, and all of a sudden he's going to catch one of those balls in the seam, and then – you know, somebody from the secondary is going to have to try to tackle him and he, as, he's, <laughs> yeah. as he's just bulldozing over them, heading for the end zone. It's right. going to be even, scary. Even his new lean, thin down frame, he's still huge. So, I mean, <laughs> it's going to be scary. Yeah, it is. So as for the other uh, the other two guys, you know, in season long, you talk about, uh, you know, tight end one. And I, I think they really have three tight end ones in the traditional sense of the season long and guys that, if they all still stay healthy, I think they could all certainly be, you know, top half of the league in terms of tight end production. And they've got three of them. It's just crazy. So let's look at O.J. Howard. They just picked up his fifth-year option. Um, a little bit of a down year last year, 
with only one touchdown. But he's another big weapon in that 6'6", 250 range. Yeah, he, this guy's a freak athlete, too. Uh, pretty much the size of Gronk. He was awesome in college. Um, the one thing that Arians, like I mentioned earlier, doesn't do is he doesn't utilize his tight ends as he just doesn't. Uh, we thought O.J. Howard would be the one to break that mold last year, but he wasn't. But Brady loves his tight ends. So um, a two-time NFL Coach of the Year winner, I think, is going to mold to his all-time great quarterback and put a lot more um, pass plays directed to Gronk, directed to O.J. Howard, uh, because they are freak athletes and they are just massive specimens. Uh, and then, yeah, you mentioned it, Cam Brait. I wouldn't target him in, in fantasy just because he's the third string tight end, but this guy could start on at least five, six, seven NFL teams right now. And he's your third tight end. Uh, he's always been a huge red zone guy. Um, pretty much the best. Red, I think he might be the best red zone tight end on this team. And that's saying a lot. He's always, always there. Uh, so you can count on him getting a couple random touchdowns, especially with Brady throwing the ball. Cause he doesn't, as long as you're open and you can get open in that red zone, he'll throw it to you. But this is just a really stacked one, two, three. And you mentioned it. You don't need them playing uh you don't need Gronk playing 80% of the snaps because you have an OJ Howard and a Cam Bright to take on the blocking duties to get it, taking the pass routes. Uh, this is just a, <laughs> a, a weapons galore for this, this team. I mean, Arians and Brady right now, again, virtually have to just be getting <laughs> together. Anytime they get together on zoom or however they talk, I mean, they just have to be, you know, foaming at the mouth to get out there and, and start dissecting defenses with all these weapons and so much versatility to be able to, you know, mm-hmm. you know, maybe put two tight ends out there at once and, and mix it up. Um, you know, Howard, uh, he got 69 percent of the snaps last year and Brady 38 percent. So there, you know, there was a little bit of time where they'd be out there together, but mostly Brady came in to catch. Uh, you know, he had 36 receptions in a much lower sna- uh, snap percentage where Howard only ended up with 34 catches and Braid had the four touchdowns. So like you said, very effective in the red zone, ha- had a nice chemistry with Winston. Uh, and he had uh, four games over 10 and a ceiling game of 17.3 against New Orleans when he didn't even get in the end zone. He caught 10 mm-hmm. passes for 73 yards. So again, one more reason for, for Brady to be extremely excited. Yeah. <laughs> this this is just a gluttonous of weapons for him. <laughs> <laughs> just absurd. <laughs> and then we'll get right. to the running game, which. Uh, yeah, that's right. We haven't even talked about the running game. How about that? <laughs> who do you think's gonna? Game. Who do you think's it's gonna so come out and, uh, you know, have have the best production out of this group? Um, I know we talked about it right before we went on, and we kind of had a conflicting view. Arians traditionally, besides uh, a couple years, he likes to play the running back by committee role. I know David Johnson burst, uh, cut through that one year, but he usually plays the RBBC, as we like to call it. But if I had to pick a lead back on here, um, I'd have to go with Ronald Jones. I know he had an absolutely dreadful rookie year. It was maybe the worst rookie year ever. I don't know. One of them. (laughs) (laughs) But he wasn't bad his second year. He had a solid second year. Um, 172 carries last year, 724 yards, 4.2 yards per carry. Not not great, but nothing bad. Six touchdowns. Um, in the passing game, he he had a pretty good role. 40 targets, 31 catches, another 309 yards. I uh, only had a couple fumbles, which wasn't bad. But he had 28 broken tackles, which is pretty good. Um, he didn't play a full season. He he split a lot of time with Peyton Barber, who's now gone. Um, and he had 28 broken pa- or broken tackles from that. Um, but I think he was, um, pretty good. He had 415 yards after cat or after contact. If you look, uh, his yards before contact were 1.8, but he averaged 4.2 yards per carry and he had averaged 2.4 yards after contact per, per rush, which is really good for a guy who's, um, not that, not going to cost you a, a pretty penny there, but I think he should take this lead role. Um, maybe, I know you're going to touch on him. Keyshawn Vaughn's going to steal some uh, thunder from him. And I think Keyshawn Vaughn's a big, big, bulky dude. Get you those uh, third and ones, 
third or third and two type of carries and goal line carries, which would hurt Ronald Jones. But I think Jones is more of the 20 to 20 type guy. Interesting. Yeah. So for the, for the RBBC, they certainly, <laughs> uh, it was a three headed monster for Tampa last year. Uh, Jones ended up getting 36% of the snaps. Barber had 30%. And then Ogumba Wale had 32%. And as you mentioned, Barber's gone now, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was always a mess in terms of fantasy. Who's going to start? Who's going to get the most touches? And he just didn't do much with his touches. He was only 3.1 yeah. yards per carry. And he only caught 16 passes. So uh, they certainly prefer Jones in that 4.2 yards per carry. You know, he was better out of the backfield with 31 catches. He had one game against Arizona where he caught eight passes for 77 yards. So uh, he's shown that shown that potential. But for me, he just he, he just doesn't do anything that I think is that exciting or thrilling or wow, this guy is certainly going to be our starter. I mean, I think he's got the experience. He's probably the uh, the favorite to come out in the first few weeks as the starter. Uh, but Keyshawn Vaughn, I, I think he's got some potential to be that lead back. Uh, he, two years ago in college, he was terrific. Over 1,200 yards and almost eight yards per carry. Last year, not quite as efficient. He got 1,000 yards, but he was only 5.2 yards per carry. But he caught 39 passes. Uh, in the last two years at Vanderbilt, he had 21 rushing touchdowns. And he got better with the drops, zero and three the last two years. Um, by the way, it was his birthday yesterday, so we, we got to stay positive here with Vaughn <laughs> and say only good things about him. Um, Happy birthday. For, yeah, for a third-round pick who ran 4.51 in the 40, I think he's going to get the chance to take the lead role, if not in the first few weeks, at some point. The other back who we touched on is Dari Agumbawale, and he was really that third down specialist to come in and catch passes. And uh, funny, his first two years, he played three snaps in the NFL. He didn't get any touches. So last year was the first time he actually got any touches, and he, he only carried the ball 11 times, but he caught 35 balls, 76% catch rate, 8.2 yards per reception. He only had one game over 10, and that was when he had his rushing touchdown. Um, but uh, he's a guy. So as a as a third down back who comes in and catches passes, I like to target those guys on DraftKings when they're cheap, you know, in that low 3K range. But I'm I'm a little bit concerned for him this year with Vaughn now, you know, coming in and he, having that ability to catch passes. Uh, so I'm. I probably will look elsewhere for a value uh, a value back that I'm looking to target to catch passes on DraftKings. What are your yeah. thoughts on Ogunbowale? Um, yeah, I'm going to look look overlook him. I think he's more of I'm, I'm going to compare it to the New England teams, uh, more of a Brandon Bolden type guy who's going to play some special teams, uh, get in some snaps here and there, maybe catch a couple passes, get a, two or three runs, but he's not going to get many hand or take many handoffs. I uh, just don't see that happening. And there is a fourth guy there that they drafted in the seventh round that I think is the most explosive running back on this team. Uh, he's too small to be a featured guy, but he's going to fit right into the uh, James White mold, I think, or as Bruce Arians used to have Andre Ellington, another small scat back type of guy. Uh, this guy, Raymond Calais, they drafted him in the seventh round. He's just explosive with the ball in his hands. Uh, just one of those guys that when you have him in space, it's going to be hard to to find him. Uh, he's only 5'8", 190 pounds, but he runs a 4'4", 40. Um, in college, he averaged 7.8 yards per carry, which is just awesome. And he's also a really good kick and punt returner. I think he could take both of those jobs, especially if uh, Ronald Jones, who was doing that. I, I know uh, they. you mentioned it before we went on, Antoine Winfield Jr. also returns punts. But um, if this guy is more of a scat back and, and Jones has more role on the offense i think he can take both return jobs uh, he wasn't really used in the passing game in college but that doesn't mean that he can't be we've seen that happen a lot but his junior year and senior year he started to see the field more and he was just extremely 
uh, productive. And I think when uh, you have a guy like Bruce Arians who knows how to use these type of scat backs, scat backs and gets people like this in open space, uh, when he gets his play called, he's just going to be explosive. I think in terms of DFS, he would be more of a GPP dart throw because he's not going to have that consistent role. But uh, we've seen it happen a lot over the years, the third down backs and guys like uh, an Austin Eckler who turned himself into a feature back this year, uh, James White, another guy with the New England route. Uh, we've seen people like this be very productive um, for a very cheap price. And if you're you're fitting in a top quarterback and you're going with a star wide receiver to pair him, um, in the right matchup where you think that uh, you're going to be more of those not – even passing situations, but uh, short passes where you need to use him. He's a guy I, would, I wouldn't mind looking at, but I'll have to see how this role plays out early in the year. Because so with everything that's going down, I don't know if we'll get a full training camp to see where he actually fits in. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Kelly, and he certainly will be a guy to watch because James White, if he can be anything close to that anytime soon, uh, that would be phenomenal. James White's one of my favorite fantasy guys on DraftKings, just incredible. Um, and and so a guy like Brady is looking for a player like that, that he can trust. And so if Kelly wins that role and he also has the potential to take one to the house on a kick return, then we're starting to talk about a, a GPP dart throw that I would mm-hmm. target. So I agree. Let's, let's keep an eye on him and see if he, he takes that role from um, a Wale and starts to get some consistent, uh, snaps and, and targets. Um, well, that that uh, wraps up the backfield for us. So let's continue the transition through this draft class. Uh, we touched earlier on how the Buccaneers drafted some protection for Brady in the first round and Tristan Wirfs, the tackle for Iowa. We've touched on Keyshawn Vaughn, who they got in the third round. Um, we've touched on Tyler Johnson, the fifth rounder, wide receiver from Minnesota. Any anything, Anybody else you want to uh, cover or anything else you want to touch on from the 2020 draft for the Buccaneers? Um, yeah, the only oh, we touched on Calais too, and then they had Antoine Winfield in the in the second round, uh, safety out of Minnesota. Former his dad was Antoine Winfield Sr., one of a, a great D back. Um, if he's anything like his dad, that's a huge get for him. Uh, we mentioned that this team was easily targetable in their secondary. Um, so maybe he can help bring some stabilization to a secondary that struggled last year, which is a which is a key point. And then they had Khalil Davis, a, another D lineman from Nebraska, um, just to add to that depth. And then Chappelle Russell, another linebacker from Temple in the sixth round, again, to add to the depth. Uh, really no big standout guys besides Antoine Winfield, besides the guys we mentioned, uh, who might come in and get a role from or get a starting job or get a prominent role from day one. Excellent. So uh, final question for here for you, Santino, actually two part question. First (laughs) of all, where can everybody find you on Twitter? And then I want to know, can Tampa catch New Orleans here and maybe win the division? Um, Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at at Santino Cocon. That's at S-A-N-T-I-N-O. C-A-C-C-O-N-E. And as far as that second question, um, if you look at Tom Brady's career, uh, take out that second year where he became the starter. He's won at least 10 games every time he's played at least 10 games. Uh, in the last however many years, the lowest was 11 games. I If this team won 7-9 with Jameis Winston just giving points away, like uh, like on candy on Halloween. <laughs> yeah. this, this team could should win 11 games. We'll see what the offseason, um, the not having the offseason does and not having the film familiarity with Belichick's system does. But 11 games seems very reasonable for this team. They were only two and six at home last year. Now you get Tom Brady. I can see that flopping to six and or flipping to six and two. As far as catching the Saints, I mean, you have another Hall of Fame, one of the best quarterbacks to do it, and Drew Brees out there. Uh, no slouch. They're they're stacked all around. I don't know if they'll catch the Saints, but it's going to be pretty close. And I think a, at least a, a wild card berth is well within the realm of possibilities for this team. Yeah, I, I like that. I I think uh, 
I think betting on Tampa to just make the playoffs is the way to go. Uh, they, they, they do have a tough schedule. The actual details of the schedule will come out later this week on Thursday. Um, but I agree. I, I would not bet against Brady. I, I think he'll be part of the postseason with this crew. So um, as I we wrap up. I wouldn't ahead. mind throwing a, a, a bet on them to win the division, though, looking at the odds. Because, I mean, it, it's they're going to be close. I don't think they'll do it. But it's worth throwing a couple, like $100 or so on that if it's plus 300 or something. That's not a, That's pretty good odds. Yeah, it's going to be a fun battle. And you and I are going to continue the NFC South talk tomorrow. We're going to uh, break down the Falcons. Uh, but I do want to mention one more time, go check out our website, dfscoachtalk.com, and you can become a member. Also, give us a thumbs up wherever you're watching. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, we are uh, providing these daily podcasts by video. And then wherever podcasts are heard, uh, give us a thumbs up. We would greatly appreciate, appreciate that. Uh, Santino gave you his Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Language Olympic. Uh, I want to mention one time we are starting to cover the KBO. So if you join DFS Coach Talk, we'll provide you with a lineup every day for DraftKings and FanDuel. And Coach likes us to mention his favorite charity, which is MambaOn3.org. Uh, Santino, did I hit everything? Any final thoughts? I believe so. Yeah, and then me and you are on tomorrow. Yeah, you mentioned. Yeah, I think you did it. Like, okay. as always. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, it took us about 15 to 20 minutes to uh, to talk about the new quarterback in town. I uh, <laughs> thought we'd have a little fun with that. Um, so he he was not really the headline of our show today by design, but he will be the headline for the Buccaneers this year, along with not only, a, <laughs> not only a Gronk, but the Gronk. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun watching the Buccaneers this year. Santino, I had a lot of fun with you today. So Likewise, let's let's friend. do it again tomorrow. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. On behalf of Santino Cocon, I am Andrew Hansen. Thank you so much for tuning in and be sure to tune in again tomorrow for another episode of DFS Coach Talk.